This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. There's no doubt about it. Winter is coming early. Look at it out there. Oh, my goodness gracious. And we're supposed to get some half-decent accumulations in the St. John's area. Kind of strange for late November. I remember the last time we had significant snow in November, dare I say it. (laughs) It was, uh, what was it, 2000, 2001? That was the year we had those record snowfalls. Driving up Ken Mount Road was like driving through a tunnel. Anyway, let's divert away from that. Well, a gathering was held in the capital city earlier this month to discuss seal management and the impact of seal populations on East Coast fish stocks. News out of the summit has been slowly filtering out through industry representatives who participated in the event. I don't want to flog a dead horse here, but um, media weren't allowed (laughs) to attend. Uh, We just got some opening remarks and some closing remarks, and that was it. So the news that we've been getting has been sort of, you know, filtering down in dribs and drabs. Um, From what we understand, among the discussions made at the summit, according to processor Dion Dakins of Carino Processing, was the decision to commission third-party science on the impact of seals in the environment. There have long been calls, of course, for improved science to determine the exact impact of seals on a number of commercial fisheries. Well, my guest today is the managing director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation, Keith Hutchings. Hello. Hello, Linda. How are you doing today? Great. And yourself? Doing very good. Thank you. So you attended the SEAL Summit. Is that correct? Yes, I did. Yep. So what was discussed there? Uh, I guess, the, you know, the impetus for the SEAL Summit came out of the um, recommendations of the report Atlantic SEAL Science Task Force which was uh, called by the Minister of DFO uh, earlier in the year, uh, basically to look at uh, many factors related to the operation of the seal industry and, uh, you know, particularly related to science, related to the information that's obtained by DFO and the interaction with industry and, you know, all the discussions that's been had over the past number of years in regards to the growth of uh, not only the harp seal uh, population, but certainly the gray seal population in the Gulf and on the south coast and other other uh, seal species and the overall effect they're having on the uh, ecosystem in general and certainly on specific, uh, specific uh, fish stocks like cod, which, as we know, we've had a moratorium since 1992, northern cod, and haven't seen a lot of success in return. We've seen some success in terms of the recovery, but not to the extent we would have liked to see, and thus the impact that's having on, uh, you know, the commercial um, increase of, of that resource and, and what it means to to this province and others as well in regards to uh, the commercial activity. Um you know, so, you know, the, the, the positive thing, there was there was many stakeholders at the table. Uh, everybody was heard. Uh, science was there from DFO. Uh, and I think there was a wholesome and full discussion uh, about the challenges we face in regards to seal populations, where they're going. Uh, and I do believe there was some recognition from DFO that uh, that it's time, and certainly one of the recommendations they made, that uh, seal predation would be included in 
projections for uh, for various species in regards to a management plan, and you know how that affects how that predation is affects is affecting uh, various uh, fish species. So what do we currently know about the seal population? And to be clear, and you said the seal populations is because we have, uh, what is it, five or six different species, all of which predate on different types of uh, uh, creatures out there. So what do we know about those seal populations and, and the impact they're having? Well, uh, if we go back and look at, um, you know, gray, gray seal populations in the 1960s, we were at about roughly 15,000. Uh, you know, seals, uh, you look at uh, today, um, you know, that number has grown dramatically. Um, you know, what some speculate, 500,000 or, or even more. Um, you look at harp seals in the early 70s, probably agreed to probably, a, you know, a couple of million uh, seals. Uh, now you're looking at a population in 2019, uh, somewhere around, you know, 7.6 million. Uh, when you look at the amount of uh, you know, northern cods has taken from a commercial perspective and look at the amount that's taken uh, from predation. I mean, you're looking at oftentimes seven, eight, nine uh, more uh, cod is taken in predation that would be taken, you know, from a very small commercial fishery that exists today. Um, so, you know, that's extremely uh, telling in terms of the amount of uh, you know that's been taken uh, from from the ecosystem, and I guess overall too, when you talk about ecosystem, it's about the fact that uh, you know the increased populations are having uh, to a larger extent uh, to a whole range of other species and interne- interconnection of those species. You know whether it's a food source, you know, predation on, on something like capelin and the role that plays in uh, in in rebuilding the cod stocks. Uh, predation of uh, of you know the shrimp or or uh, young crab, uh, again how that relates to the overall ecosystems and a variety of species that are affected by that. Um, in the Gulf and with the gray seals, there has been science that's been completed by DFO, and they have recognized that indeed gray seals are having an impact on on ground stocks uh, and they are having a direct effect based on the predation and based on the amount that's been taken. And I think that was, you know, that conclusion was drawn from uh, a more comprehensive, you know, annual and multi-year evaluation of of the eating habits uh, and what they were taking over a longer period of time. Because I guess the point is that, you know, if take the harp seal and they're in very regions off the province of, or in the Atlantic at different times of the year, uh, they're at various times at various uh, areas they're, they're in for particular reasons because they migrate as well. They're interacting with different species of fish at various times in the calendar year. So, you know, their diet is not consistent. So obviously they're eating various species at various times during the year. But if you're only sampling things like stomach content at a particular time in the year, you're not getting a true picture of what their overall diet is and what exactly they're taking and the volume they're taking. So I think going forward, that's that's where we need to get to. Uh, you know, as I said, the forum was a great discussion uh, on elements of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we're going to get there, I'm hopeful we will, that we'll do that science and recognition. Uh, but I guess we'll see uh, how that unfolds in the uh, months and years ahead. And I suppose when you look at the different uh, populations as well, uh, you know, the, their impact would determine, uh, would, would be de- determined to a certain extent on, on population. But
but also on their general size. I mean, uh, you could have a harbor seal or a ring seal and, and their impact on things. And then you have a gray seal, which is a very massive animal. So you don't need to have very many of them to have an impact. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great point you make. And then it's an understanding of uh, of the growth of, of those herds. Uh, you know, there is some uh, discussion, too, as well, and scientific evidence that the gray seal herd, you know, because of its expansion uh, off the herd, it's creating new colonies of, of gray seal. Uh, so, you know, that means, uh, you know, you're, there's extended growth uh, in various regions uh, for that species as well. And if you look at, and you know, people around Newfoundland and Labrador know that if you look at, uh, you know, the Codroy Valley, you look at various rivers, there's evidence in estuaries, you know, about the, uh, whether you call them harbor seals, you know, whether you call them some other species, that they exist in places that we've never seen them before. So from my own experience, I do a little bit of salmon fishing in Renews River and Southern Shore. Um, you know, and in the estuary there during the year, you can see seals there pretty well any time of the year. So, you know, there's a big run of brown trout that goes through. There's obviously run of Atlantic salmon. There's runs of other species. So if they're in their estuaries, you know, how much how much are they taking? And, uh, you know, and that that's probably the same a harbor seal could be it could be a harp seal. But I mean, the various species and the times of the years and the various locations and the new areas are showing up. I mean, what what species are they taking and how much are they taking and what effect does that have? And and those types of areas you now related to, you know, uh, salmon rivers, uh, again, you know, Atlantic salmon has been a moratorium for quite some time. And again, we have not seen the recovery that you would expect. So the question becomes again, you know, what effect uh, would would you know seals be having in these estuaries uh, related to, you know, migrating in and out of Atlantic salmon and, and interrupting, um, you know, their 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 chain of of development uh, when you have seals present in estuaries like that. And I want to talk to you about your potential role in all of this when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation, Keith Hutchings. We'll be back right after this. Save the date. VOCM's Dial a Carol. Sunday, November 27th, 1 to 6 p.m. on your VOCM. And our guest today on On Target is Keith Hutchings, Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation. And we were talking a little bit about the SEAL Summit, which uh, Keith, you attended. Um, and of course, you were a former provincial fisheries minister. Did you encounter a reluctance to address the SEAL issue when you were in Cabinet? Um, I guess that, you know, it's it's a, um, what would we say, it's a difficult situation because you're dealing with, um, I guess, a tide of, uh, of environmental groups and others that, uh, that have been very active in the province over the years and, you know, got to the point of basically, you know, stopping um, the harvesting of harp seals basically on misinformation to, to uh, you know, to proceed with it and support it. But there was always that uh, that fear, you know, somewhat. But I think from my experience of sitting around a cabinet table, there was always, uh, you know, steadfast that we'd support the industry and try and develop markets to allow uh, the harvest or total albert catch to be taken each year. And in all my time in government, we did a lot related to promoting markets, uh, putting funding into markets, trying to develop those markets. 
And I do remember distinctly, uh, I think it was in 2013 or 2014 as minister, uh, we were looking at a export certificate into China, which is seen as one of the largest markets and one of the largest opportunities, as well as some of the presentations at the Sealed Summit uh, was related to Japan as well. Uh, but at, back at that time, there was um, an understanding, I think, that we thought we would have got that certificate to export, you know, various um, attributes from seal production, whether it's seal oil probably being the biggest that we would get it into Japan. And it got very close, but it never did materialize for, I think, a number of reasons. And to date, uh, we're still not there. So, you know, there are challenges, but I think collectively the province has always, I think, for the most part, been supportive of programs and services in the industry uh, to identify ways to get that product into market and, and to refocus a little bit because originally, I guess the origin was about, uh, you know, about the skins and getting those into market. But I think as innovation and technology and certainly work Carino has done, I know uh, officials there, Dion was on uh, a while ago speaking to it, um, you know, they've done innovation and they have, uh, you know, invested heavily uh, and be able to develop and, uh, you know, propose new opportunities for the products related to seal. But one of the biggest challenges we have, I think, is is the markets and continuing to look to get access to markets and, and maybe re reallocating the markets that we're going to. And with that comes as well uh, additional facets of, you know, the products from the seal and how we utilize as much as seal as possible. Uh, and that could attract us to various other markets as well. You mentioned uh, Japan and China, and I know that um, previously one of our biggest markets was Russia. And of course, well, that's out of the picture now, but um, it, they also wouldn't allow us to fly over or or transship through Europe to get to sure. Russia. So that was yep. part of the problem there. So can yep. we can we establish these markets in, in China and Japan if there is a demand? Well, you know, from my experience and from what I, you know, people I speak to that are into the business and, you know, we heard uh, at the summit from uh, some indigenous groups as well from, from across the country, both in the north um, and on the east coast and some of the challenges they've had and some of the efforts they've had. But I think it is available, you know, what, what's what's coming from, um, you know, seal and the products is very consistent which was is needed from you know healthy foods, health, healthy nutraceuticals, uh, you know other means that we can use uh, the seal products from whether that's oil, whether that's you know from from the uh, high iron content in blood and iron iron supplements, and you know you look at things like the absorption rate uh, of those that come from. Um, come from seals is far greater than anything you could buy off off a shelf today. I think we need to elevate the discussion to talk about two things. One is the effect that the, the, you know seal populations have on, on the ecosystem, which is a much larger issue, and how do we deal with that? Second to it is, how do we take the total novel catch and the amount that's required every year to be taken? Because I think in the last five years, we've probably only taken harp seals, a very small number of what roughly annually is about a four hundred, four hundred fifty thousand dollar total level catch. So, you know, how do we how do we have those markets develop? How do we have uh, the the attributes that we take from the sealed product available to go into markets? And how do we continue to grow those markets to do it? You know, even if you just say, well, you know, we don't agree with taking seals, but 
the other issue is how, what's the effect on the ecosystem and how can we continue on as we are today? Like, are we looking at an ecosystem disaster coming up in terms of groundfish stocks and other stocks if we don't deal with it? Uh, you know, so those are really big questions that, you know, I think we're starting having discussions on. Uh, but, you know, to your question, yes, I think from what I hear from those that are involved in the industry and in the markets, but we need a focused uh, a focused vision and a fo- focused strategic plan uh, as 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 Canadians and certainly as uh, from a Canadian government that's willing to you know take this on as a priority uh, for multiple reasons why it should be taken on. And I would suggest that uh, you know expanding markets and uh, selling product to those markets is far more palatable than a cull. Yes, exactly. So, you know, conceivably, you know, who knows? And nobody, somebody going to say at some point, you know, because of the ecosystem, the damage that's happening, we're going to have a call. Uh, I would say probably not. But if you can, you know, one of the interesting things at the, the summit, uh, you know, uh, we had a discussion about seal meat and about the availability of seal meat, seal meat you know, in Canadian restaurants. Uh, it may be sporadically available here and there, but you know, one of the indigenous groups spoke to the fact that they came here to Newfoundland and, you know, seal meat is not on the, uh, is not on the menu anywhere. Uh, but yet we talk about trying to export seal meat uh, as a product uh, to be, uh, you know, put on, put on the menus around the world and, and so forth. But I think we need to look at that as well and say, how do we start here and uh, develop products from, from seal meat that, uh, that, that, you know, even the 20 or 30 percent of the population are, uh, you know, are, in, you know, take on as a food source. Uh, how do we grow it here? And then how do we, you know, expand that out uh, at the reception? Again, at Seal Summit, Todd Perrin uh, recognized the chef, obviously here in the province, well recognized, you know, he had he had prepared some dishes in regards to seal meat. And it was I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um but again, you know, not everybody may, but if you can get, you know, 20 or 30 percent of the population to enjoy it, you're, you're evolving the whole menu of how seal meat is prepared, how it can be prepared. I spoke to a, a gentleman the other day that, are, that is in MI. Um, he's from India and he's doing courses here. And I spoke to him about a couple of things. But, you know, I just said to him about seal meat and he wasn't aware of it. But, you know, he said, you know, you have to market it. You have to align it with the current um, cultural habits of, of of a country or of a region and then incorporated that into, you know, various meal types and uh, and how it is consumed. So I think there's a lot of work to be done on that side, but I think it's interesting what came out of the Seal Summit is that, you know, we should start at home as well and, um, you know, certainly uh, invite or uh, make Canadians aware of, of seal meat and the opportunities uh, as well. Every spring of the year, i got to be honest, I have a little craving for my nan's seal flipper pie, and she's gone many years now, and I don't suppose I'll ever have anything like it again. But, uh, wow, was <laughs> yeah. uh, was it ever good. Um, and I was not I was never a big fan of seal meat. It's, it's a, an acquired taste, I would imagine. But the way that she prepared it in the seal flipper pie, oh, my goodness, it was really good. Um, what about uh, matters of affordability? Because uh, uh, seal products are widely available here in Newfoundland and Labrador, but they're not always in people. You know, people can't always afford that lovely pair of boots or a jacket or whatever the case may be. Are we looking at that? They tend to be high-end products, but if they were more readily available for everybody to purchase, uh, would it be easier to handle it that way? 
Yeah, so that'll be one side of, I guess, the, the product uh, in terms of seal skins and, and what's developed from that. Um, you know, again, that's driven by, I guess, markets and, uh, you know, what the market source is for, for those products. And I think that ebbs and flows a little bit, certainly uh, domestically and internationally, depending on the markets and, you know, what promotions are, are, are ongoing at any particular time on both sides of the issue. Uh, but I think our real growth is related to the other byproducts that, that I've sort of mentioned that are, that, are, that are involved with seal and seal production and how, you know, you use those to increase value, greater utilization of the resource uh, to make sure that, you know, we can get to the point where, you know, harvesters that are commercially uh, involved in harvesting, there's a value to them and an incentive for them to go and actually harvest seals uh, and get a return because they're business people too, get a return on, on their time and energy and fuel and labor and all those other things to get a return on that. So, uh, you know, we can take those uh, those total allowable catch, for example, for harp seals every year. Uh, and to make sure from that perspective, uh, it's commercially viable. Uh, it's, it's an income. It's a return to those additional income for those that are fish harvesters. And uh, then we're also doing what we need to do for, for resource management from an ecosystem point of view of taking out uh, a certain amount of animals or a certain amount of uh, seals every year uh, from the resource management point of view. Now, we didn't talk about CCFI's uh, role in all of this, so uh, when we come back, I'll get into that part of things. Our, our guest today on On Target is Keith Hutchings, Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest is the Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation, Keith Hutchings. And uh, Keith, Dion Dakins um, uh, mentioned on Open Line not too long ago that uh, government seems to be acknowledging the role of uh, the importance of third-party science. And this is where I I guess you come into the conversation. The Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation, what kind of a role can it play in terms of this uh, third-party science? Yeah, I think, uh, well, just to, I guess, CCFI has been around for 30 years, uh, Linda, and uh, certainly amassed a lot of knowledge, connections, and, you know, relationships, and, um, you know, has been involved with industry, whether that's, you know, harvesting side, processing side, and off, obviously on the on the farming side, aquaculture. So there's a lot of intel, a lot of information, a lot of relationships that have been built. I think that would be very supportive of playing a role of being that uh that that third party uh, you know entity that could lead uh, you know science uh, and development uh, certainly look at product development and other areas of the um, of the requirements that that we look at this coming out of the uh, seal summit and certainly looking at the Atlantic Seal Science Task Force. Um, CCFI also was part of the. Uh, Provinces uh, Fisheries Advisory Council that was set up by the current uh, provincial government to to look at various aspects of the the fishing industry and uh, you know we're playing a role there as well. So with that knowledge and expertise and and you know ability and being that third party, uh, it gives us uh, I guess the uh, the access and the flexibility uh, to do various pieces of work and. You know, at CCFI, we're, 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 you know, we answer to an industry board uh, and also uh, some academic uh, folks as well that sit on our board. 
but we're a unique conduit between the industry and academia, whether that's Memorial University, whether that's other institutions here or elsewhere that we can partner with to do uh, various uh, pieces of work or pieces of research development or technology a- adaptation, um, or in this case, particularly with uh, with uh, sealed product development and. Uh, you know, again, we use the expertise and knowledge at, at, at places like Memorial and Marine Institute here. Uh, at the summit, um, Dr. Heather Burke spoke and gave, uh, you know, some insight. Uh, she heads up the Center for Aquaculture and Seafood Development at the Fishermen Institute here. And, uh, you know, some work has been done. There's been a lot of work actually done in regards to seal product development. Uh, you know, and all that is there. We've certainly, CCFI has partnered on some of that. Uh, so, you know, certainly we see ourselves as that conduit going forward that can meet with all the players, uh, that can arrange and seek out that expertise and knowledge that's required to fulfill some of the uh, call for proposals that's gone out from DFO, and then also be that uh, non-biased or third-party communicator of that information. You know, in the past, there's been a lot of challenges in regards to you know, the communications of, of data from DFO, the understanding of it from industry, uh, able to engage with all the, you know, fabulous knowledge and expertise that's out there from the harvesting and, and those that have been involved in the uh, in the industry for decades. You know, I spoke to some folks, uh, Keith Bath, who's, who's known in terms of being around the, the, the industry for decades. You know, where's all that knowledge and expertise and how, how is it brought in and considered along with the official scientific data and how all that is used in terms of bringing issues like predation into stock predictions and resource management moving forward. So, you know, from CCSI perspective, you know, we, we really think we can play a role and, you know, uh, we're certainly appreciative of the minister uh, putting out the call for proposal and we'll certainly work with the academic institutions uh, here or elsewhere uh, to answer that call. So uh, any idea what exactly needs to be learned here, what the focus might be? Some of the items that were identified related uh, to certainly uh, the abundance and distribution uh, of various uh, fish populations and, you know, how that data, some of that data would be there, how uh, that would be examined, how we'd look at collection of new data. Uh, You know, that certainly could be done through those that are in the industry and collecting their experience and knowledge and catch rates uh, various times during the year and all those types of things. Certainly, uh, as well, there was mention in the the call for proposals looking at understanding what I talked about before, the marine ecosystem, uh, to better, you know, incorporate things like environmental considerations. Uh, in stock assessments, um, you know how do we how do we look at predation, uh, but the ecosystem as well. So, you know, with various climate change um, elements being introduced over the past number of years, you know, the migratory patterns of various fish species have changed. Uh, you know, the migratory patterns of seals in terms of the availability of ice and where they pop now and uh, at what time of the year. Uh, so, all of that needs to be integrated and get a clearer picture of what truly is the situation today. Uh, And without that, and without doing over, I think, a multi-year period uh, with multi-species, because obviously seals, there's a a number of species that are predating, that has predation on on various fish stocks. So we need a better understanding. And it's a big ocean and, uh, you know, a lot is happening out there, but, uh, you know, we need that focus. And I think, uh, uh, you know, this is a step in the right direction. 
you know, at the end of the day, uh, where does it get us? We'll wait and see, but I think it's a step in the right direction. So no doubt you're putting in a call for, uh, you're answering that call for proposals. Um, When do you expect to hear something further? Uh, I think the end of December is uh, is the uh, deadline, and I, I think all projects, I think, are, uh, if I remember correctly, are wanting to start in April, uh, I think, of 2023, uh, April 1st, I do believe. So that will be, uh, you know, a step to move forward. I know in, since coming on here, we had discussions with, and I have to say, you know, CCFI works closely with DFO. Uh, you know, we have a relationship with DO, DFO. We do uh, through the Atlantic Fisheries Fund, we do an, an array of projects. We have other projects that we do with them, um, or I guess a service delivery model where they have funding, we apply for them, and we'll contact industry and do do an array of of, uh, of projects. So, um, you know, we work with them as regulators as well, as well as their scientific community and the resource management community. Um, so all of that is, you know, is that relationships are, are built there as well. Uh, I will mention that uh, on the morning before the SEAL summit started, uh, Minister Murray did visit uh, with us, uh, with the, myself and the chair of uh, CCFI, Alberta Worm, uh, and went through what CCFI does, and certainly with the officials here at MI, uh, they met and went through some of the things they've done in the past related to SEAL and some of the opportunities, and just a good understanding of the valued expertise and knowledge that exists here at the Marine Institute and, and what they could offer. Our guest today on On Target is Keith Hutchings, Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation. And I know you're working on a number of other interesting projects, and I want to ask you about those when we come back after the break, right after this. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. Our guest today is Managing Director of the Canadian Centre for Fisheries Innovation, Keith Hutchings. And uh, Keith, of course, we've been all been following the sad story of uh, the plight of the right whales in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Uh, gladly, we've seen a few more um, right whale sightings in and off the coast of Newfoundland. But uh, be that as it may, may, that's where they spent most of their time feeding in that in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and being surface feeders. They're prone to boat strikes and problems with entanglement and gear. What kind of a role is CCFI playing there? What are you guys doing? Yeah, we have, uh, I think, about 22 projects now underway, um, either in the early stages uh, or, you know, cluing up. Um, one of them we have, and maybe I'll first say that, you know, there's a variety in the aquaculture uh, harvesting and processing sector. Um, you know, it could be anywhere from, uh, you know, uh, possibly avoiding a by- bycatch in regards to altering um gear. Uh, we have uh, artificial intelligence related to species modeling in terms of multi-year data and multi-zone data and how you use artificial intelligence to uh, to, to, to build a predictive model for future uh, resource management. Uh, we have uh, projects related to uh, seaweed uh, and possible production here in the province and development of that. Uh, that came out of a discussion we had a number of months ago, too, I think, they're related to the Laurentic Forum and how we had a uh, seaweed symposium. And, uh, you know, about two, the, the industry is about, if I remember correctly, about $2 billion, and most of that product now is coming from Asia. So there is a push in, uh, we'd say, the North Atlantic regions to, to build that because some of the environment that's available uh, is pristine related to various kelps availability 
and for the production of it. So, so there's a lot of excitement happening uh, in in that area. Uh, in related to your question um, on right whales, we we were involved with a project uh, with uh, with two private companies uh, assured out of Bedford, Nova Scotia. Uh, they developed what's called rope on command technology, and as well working with the local company here, eSonar, um, that looks at um, you know fishing with ropeless gear. Um, now you mentioned right whales, and there's always speaking to harvesters and speaking to the industry. Uh, you know, I know in the Gulf this was this origi- originated in regards to a number of years ago, and and some instances that happened. But the, there's always a discussion about the amount of right whales that you know that are in the area here and along our coast. And you know, is it is it um, is it really an issue? I guess from our perspective, we t- there was a call for proposals, and uh, we we were successful. In the first time, actually, Rope and Command has been uh, a project like this, or the technology uh, was looked at in these parts. And uh, our role is just to, you know, work with industry, work with harvesters, work with the innovators, uh, the companies involved to test this uh, with the harvesters here in this region. And uh, we've done a number of tests related to institutional testing here, you know, testing the technology in the flume tank here at Marine Institute to, you know, determine its functionality, looking at, because uh, it was a development component to it as well, looking at, you know, if there's challenges or changes, you know, working with the innovators to make those changes. Then we went to, uh, actually went to the field uh, and then uh, have embarked with probably 10 to 12 different harvesters and their crews on their vessels with the technology, uh, simulating um, you know, what they would normally do uh, in, in the crab industry, uh, setting their pots, deploying them and pulling them back and attaching these devices and seeing, uh, you know, how that works. Uh, I guess some of the interesting and the, the advice we got back from harvesters, as you would imagine, has been invaluable for, for the innovators and, and for us heading up the project uh, because I think this originally, you know, came about in the Maritimes where, there was uh, crab lobster trawls that were being used and, uh, you know, not at a, at a really large depth comparatively to what we do here with the crab industry. And in those regions in the maritime, you know, the thought was if you had rope on command gear and certain areas were closed because of right whale, if you had rope on command gear, which was ropeless gear, uh, which sits at the bottom until you're ready to pull it um, or to retrieve it, uh, you could continue to fish. When we came here in this environment uh, with the, you know, depth of water that's required uh, to set uh, crab gear, uh, you know, at, at various distance from shore, uh, you know, whether you're looking at a 40-foot or a 60-foot vessel. Uh, also, you know, the currents, the swells, the wind, the North Atlantic, all were very interesting uh, elements that, uh, that you know, that we adjusted going forward. Uh, so our project is... Uh, is in its second year. We're we're scheduled to have a report by March 31st of 2023. And again, you know, it's important to understand this is technology development and it's not unique to here or Atlantic Canada. I mean, along the eastern seaboard of the U.S., there's a lot of work being done. There's a lot of companies uh, engaged in this activity. And uh, from from an export point of view, you know, like most certifications or standards for fish that are harvested around the world. Uh, it's a sustainability issue. So with this technology, it demonstrates that, you know, Canada's engaged, DFO is engaged, the industry is engaged, looking at, you know, alternate activity or alternate technology for the future that can certainly support sustainability. So uh, 
yeah, so that's where we're to with, with our current project. Now, um, we don't have a whole lot of time left because uh, we've been talking about so many other things, but uh, I understand that CCFI is going to be involved once again in the Laurentic Forum. Uh, when is it and what will you be doing there? Yeah, so the Laurentic Forum is coming up again. I mean, that's a partnership between uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, Ireland, Norway, and Iceland. And again, it's about you know supporting economic development in coastal communities and rural regions. Uh, both from a tourism perspective, which is one of the topics this year, as well as the blue economy. And CC5 participating again, I'll be moderating uh, one of the day's session. And I mentioned before, uh, you know, the seaweed and some of the projects we're doing here, that was a great session we had on a prior Laurentic Forum um, session we had. And um, if, if you're interested in participating, you can go to laurenticforum.com. Yeah, you can sign up virtually, and uh, it's it's free, uh, and you participate in a part of it or the two-day events, whatever, whatever uh, you would like to engage with, either from an industry perspective or just those that are interested in it. And it's coming up on November 29th and the 30th. Um, so again, certainly encourage anybody to have any interest to. To certainly sign up, and there will be a re- the first day will be related to topics related to tourism, and the second day will be related to topics related to um, the um, the um, fishery uh, or the blue economy, I should say. And certainly, topics there um, are looking at uh, again uh, development strategies related to seaweed. There's value added in fish utilization, and we'll hear from folks from Norway. Iceland and Ireland as well. As well, we'd have a speaker from the Marine Institute that will speak to uh, utilization of, of fish products as well. So it should be a great session and certainly encourage anybody to, to go in online and be a part of it. Is it all um, virtual or? No, it's not. No, there's. Uh, I will be attending in, in, in person in Donegal. Um, as, and, um, but, you know, because of uh, the response we had uh, from earlier sessions, uh, I think most now look at the fact that hybrid uh, allows the maximum participation and certainly allows, uh, you know, greater input from, from various regions of of, uh, of these jurisdictions I spoke about. Um, we've got a little over a minute left. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I would thank you, Linda, for the opportunity. I mean, uh, you know, an opportunity like this, I think, allows to continue the discussion on, on some of the uh, issues that are important to the um, to the uh, fishery. Uh, you know, I think there was, an, there was a, a statistic given at the SEAL Summit that, uh, you know, the, the fish and seafood sector in Canada supports about an $8 billion industry. So it is quite large. I don't know at times we give it the focus it needs to be, but this allows that reset and focus on an industry that's so important, uh, not not only to commercially to our communities and regions, but from a, a food supply, uh, from a global perspective, food supply and from how we ensure that that supply is sustainable and how we maximize the opportunities from it. So uh, thank you to VOCM and for your interest in uh, in the topic. Keith Hutchings, once again, thanks very much and uh, enjoy Ireland. <laughs> thanks very much, Linda. Have a good day. Same to you. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to hear more about the oceans with Oceana Canada. Stay tuned for that. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>